As you watch the screen, your heart begins to beat faster. There's a fluttering in the pit of your stomach. Your throat is dry. Your palms damp. Suddenly a chill runs down your spine. You clutch the person next to you. You tell yourself, it's only a movie. It's only a movie. But sooner or later, it's time to go home. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. I'm Ron. And this is our review of Jason X, starring Alexa Doyle, Lisa Ryder, Chuck Campbell, Peter Minson, Melissa A., Melody Johnson, Jonathan Potts, David Cronenberg, and Kane Hodder. Directed by Jim Isaac, released in 2001 on a budget of $11 million, the biggest budget of all so far, grossed just $17 million at the box office. So people, people just weren't ready for it. I'm going to tell the story <laughs> now of how I found out there even was a Jason X, okay? I had, had left the town that basically I grew up with college in and had started my career and worked in. I moved away to a place I didn't know anybody, right? So like one of the first weekends I'm there, and I'm, I'm getting home from work. I got nothing to do. We actually had a video warehouse in town. You remember those? And yes. I went to rent you know, stuff to watch. Cause I had just bought a DVD player. <laughs> That's how long ago this was like 2002. Right. So I got a DVD player and I'm just walking through the store and there's like nothing I want to see. I'm like, man, this all sucks. I'll just go home. And as I'm walking out the store out of the corner of my eye, I catch this box that says Jason X on it. And I go, they made another Friday, the 13th film. I had no idea. I had no idea this was a thing. Picked up the box, read the back of it, and immediately said, oh, yes, I will be watching this this weekend. Rented it, and we'll get into my thoughts, because I remember them distinctly. Uh, <laughs> but, I, yeah, I had no idea this was even a thing when it existed. Were you aware of this movie when it was being made? I was not, but I do have a similar story. This is one of the first movies uh that I illegally downloaded uh, via <laughs> LimeWire. Um, that took you like three days, didn't it? So. Like five, yeah. But <laughs> yes, that's my uh, Jason X story, and I'm, I'm sure I have it saved on my... I'm sure it's still on the hard drive of the computer I had in college. <laughs> uh, so, sorry, New Line. I'll send you $5 in the mail. <laughs> I, I did read a snippet on this. Is it true that Todd Farmer wrote this for the studio just so that they could have a Jason film while Freddy vs. Jason was still in development hell? That <laughs> They were like, we've got to have another Jason film. That last one tanked. We've got to have another one. And he's like, well, the only other place to go is space. And well, I mean, really, it was far past time. Uh, well, yeah, it's usually part four. Like Leprechaun does it in in part four. Hellraiser does it in part four. I, you know, I'm Critters surprised. Did it in part four? Yeah, Critters did it in part four. I'm surprised that it took you know ten 
uh, episodes, nine sequels, if you will, for them to finally get Jason into space. Um, wow. Uh, so I, I think I'm going to ask you for the plot summary now, and then I'm just going to go ahead and give you my question right now. You say this is your favorite Jason film. So tell us what happens in it, and then I want you just to tell me right now why this is your favorite one out of all of them that we've watched. Oh, no problem. So... Jason has been in custody for some time with researchers trying to figure out how and why he won't die so they can use him for medical advancement or even make a weapon out of him. However, Jason breaks free and goes to killing again before a fast-thinking scientist, Rowan, can spring the cryogenic freezers which preserve her and Jason for 450 years. (laughs) Flash forward to 2455 and a team of students on a routine training mission Rescue Rowan and Jason using nanotechnology to resurrect her from a mortal wound she sustained before the freeze. While trying to perform an autopsy on Jason, he awakens and starts to kill again until female superbot KM-14 shoots him literally to pieces. However, he falls into the nanotechnology table and it turns him into Uber Jason, who goes on a rampage on the spaceship. KM-14 goes toe-to-toe again with Jason, but not even she can stop him in his ultimate form. Sergeant Brodsky, who is leading a team of space marines against Jason, finally grabs him and the two plummet through Earth-2's atmosphere, seemingly burning up on re-entry, while Rowan and a few remaining survivors ponder life on the new planet. However, I will add that Jason lands in a lake. (laughs) Well, the mask does. Does he land in the lake? Are we sure about that? Where he goes, where the mask goes, he goes. We do have two star-crossed people wearing spandex leather outfits, um, seemingly getting ready to have, uh, you know, illicit sex. Watch that go down. Space sex. Earth 2 sex. So, um, yeah. I I guess if you can't beat him, make a military product out of him. I mean, that's, that's David Cronenberg's role here, right? Well, it worked in Aliens, so... <laughs> okay, yeah, that's what I want to ask you. Is this your favorite because it reminds you of other things you like so much? Or is there something inherently about it that you're like, yes, the Jason film I've always wanted? Well, I like it because it does remind me of other things I like, but I also like it because it reaches a sublime level of ridiculousness. <laughs> I mean, you've got a... a, 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 a a nippleless cyborg fighting Jason. <laughs> Who like is is obsessed with the fact that she doesn't have nipples, by the way. Um, yeah, well, she she wants to be milked by Greg Fogger, so <laughs> she needs nipples. Is that what that is? Because I mean, wow. I'm just tying it to something 2000 related. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> she shoots Jason holding the gun sidearm. Right, she like, gangsta leans it like like yeah, from that's a kill shot. Boys in the hood. Is what she does, yeah. which is it, it, ridiculous. Which, by the way, you shoot guns, I shoot guns. Anybody knows how to shoot guns knows that's the dumbest thing you could do. Like you, you totally jack your aim up doing it that way. But it's a, it's a terrible idea because you know you're gonna either have the hot projectile going towards your face or going straight down at your feet. Right, it's a good way to get burned. I guess anyway. if you're a cyborg, you don't care. Well, yeah, I mean, she doesn't have nipples, so she probably doesn't have a lot of nerve endings in her feet. <laughs> I, I guess so. <laughs> but. but yes, I enjoy this one because it embraces the inherent comedy of taking Jason and throwing him into um, 
some sort of <laughs> Demolition Man style future. Okay, you mentioned that, and I'm glad you brought that movie up. I hold a special place in the garbage cinema heart that I have for Demolition Man. Me too. I, I constantly say the term "be well." Um, and I got it from that movie. I don't mind admitting that. Um, I don't understand the three (laughs) seashells either. Um, and, and I do feel like this movie has a little bit of that going on in it. It, it does feel in that realm and world. It would have been even better had they put Jason and this woman from uh, presumably 2005 in 2044, 55, and if everybody had become like these super prudish squares, the thing that I couldn't get over, and my wife also couldn't get over it, was since when could you dress that slutty to be in zero gravity? Because <laughs> it seems like it would go against like all of the you know nature of what's going on around you. Because all of the men are dressed like pseudo monks, you know, or something. Well, but all uh, of the women are at the sleeves. club. Yeah, it's so strange. Yeah, the men are wearing what what basically are like college basketball uniforms. Yes, and, and and the women are all dressed like prostitute scientists. Right? Yeah, I like I don't want to objectify the women here. I get accused of being a misogynist sometimes in these podcasts, and it's not true. I'm reflecting only what I'm seeing on the screen, and I don't get why these people are dressed this way either. It doesn't make any sense. Even I for the it, couple it, of them that act like their characters are sort of weird. There's that one girl with the nipple clamps and all. I don't know what that's all about, man. But, I mean, we already seen the professor, like, try to give away a grade for sex. Right? They just ripped that right out of part eight. Except this time he's into it. Yeah, this time he actually gives the grade in exchange for the sex. Yeah, who uh, is that guy, by the way? He looks like a mystery science theater throw-off, but I understand he's some kind of Canadian actor. <laughs> this movie's lousy with Canadian actors. <laughs> it really is. I mean, it was like they were shooting this on the same time they were shooting Lex. So they got a bunch of crossover people. I feel like uh, I also got a lot of people from like Degrassi, one of the seasons, you know, in this because they feel like those people too. Yeah, um, well, that's Jonathan Potts, I believe, and he's on uh, The Strain. Okay, and see, I don't, he, I know that show, but I don't watch it. So I, he I was don't. on Degrassi: The Next Generation. <laughs> see, I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. So, yes, um, yeah, you're I, right. I feel like, though, when we get this opening here with Jason chained up and we're doing this whole argument between David Cronenberg. I, I love how David Cronenberg will just show up in any piece of crap, you know, anywhere well, along the way. you got to keep your SAG card because that's got really good <laughs> health insurance. Yeah, I guess so. Maybe, maybe so. I mean, this is before we get into, you know, it's 2001. So, you know, he's got to do this. So, and I enjoy and it's very much a uh, Hannibal Lecter yes, type scene. Uh, thank too. you. Yes, that remind me of things. Yes, it's very Hannibal. Like they've chained Jason up, and like they do all this extended scene in the beginning. I had forgotten this about it. Where like they're poking and prodding him and testing him and stuff. Like, and Jason's like, "Oh, don't get that needle near me!" And I'm like, "You've been shot at least a thousand times at this point. You're undead for goodness' sake, and you're still afraid of needles." That was. I'm sorry, Kane. That was bad. That's a bad move. They, and I will say this. His performance in this movie is way better than the last one. It's not even close. Because I, I think he's actually having fun in this one again. But oh, that, yeah. that note was bad. So Yeah, well, that's probably... Uh, you can probably put that at the feet of the director. Maybe so. So uh, I don't know Jim Isaac it, from anything else. Do you know any of his other movies? 
um, either that or what we in, um, uh, look at as and see like flinching in fear is supposed to be him trying to like rip his way out of the restraints to murder. Right. Like, so how does he get loose exactly here? Like they throw the, they say that when he, when they throw the blanket over him, like the internet tells me that wakes him up and that's what makes him mad. But he looks like he's pretty awake staring at that guard anyway. Yeah. He was awake the whole time. They just don't show us how he wakes up because they couldn't think of a way to do that. I guess, but whatever they thought of probably looked terrible and they were like, you know what? It's part 10. He gives a damn. He gets loose and kills everybody. You know, so we, we got we got a lot of other stuff to shoot. Let's get David's only here for a day, and Cronenberg does get a good death. I will say that that throw spear thing from behind is is a good death. He probably demanded that. Oh yeah, well if you're gonna if you're gonna get David Cronenberg and you have to kill him in an interesting way, I mean you, you he's he's playing a, basically a mad scientist. Uh, it's like if you had John Waters in your movie and you don't make him a pervert, you, you, you missed the point. Right, right. So, like, you, you're not doing your stunt casting right. So My, I, my second John Waters reference in this mini-podcast. <laughs> no, very impressive, by the way. I do like the way that all of it goes down here, though, between him and Rowan, where she, like, outsmarts him and gets him in that, that cryo tank or whatever. Mm-hmm. She's like, ha-ha, got you. And I love how he's strong enough to you know, stab her through the freaking door with the machete. I'm like, man, th- we've talked about the, the varying strengths of Jason's machetes through the years, and I'm like, that thing has got to be made out of, like, uh, you know, animantium or something, man. So- yeah, this is clearly the uh, the superior uh, machete. Yeah, I mean, not even close. And he, like, he will do all kinds of things to get that machete back. In this, in this, it's uh, okay, guys. He just wanted his machete. Exactly. So uh, I do like that, though. I like the setup here. I'll say that the the setup here got me. I, I'm still thinking, man, this is incredibly stupid. But everybody here seems to know that, and they're kind of going with it. Unlike last time, where I didn't think anyone was aware of how stupid the setup was, except uh, Stephen Williams, who was playing Creighton Duke. Yeah, and and I mean, you missed an opportunity to have like. Space Creighton Duke, right? Come well, back he, in. Yeah, there's well, they almost have it with with the Sergeant Brodsky guy who's so tough that he can't die, you know, at all. I don't know who that what what wrestler that's supposed to be, uh, but <laughs> I mean, he just keeps coming and he's a Timex for goodness sakes. But the setup of this is almost the same as Part Eight. You've got a school trip on a spaceship, you know. Uh, obs- people obsessed with sex with their teacher, um, somebody trying to money grab on on something else, somebody who doesn't want to be there. You know, it is the same thing, like mixed with a little aliens and a little, you know, this and that, and and a little comedy. Yeah, well, but like intentional comedy. That's the thing is, have these movies ever intentionally tried to be funny up until now? Uh, maybe part four. Um. I, part I mean, six. Part six was definitely that way. Yeah. 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 So maybe that's the one I'm thinking of. The, the, that's the only time they tried it before, and that more or less worked, I guess. But I don't know. Something about this. I Are the jokes better here? I hate to say that, but I kind of feel like they are. I, I think the jokes are definitely better here. Uh, I, I laughed quite a bit um, the first time I saw this, uh, and I still laughed quite a bit at a lot of it, particularly uh, Brodsky's first fake death scene mm-hmm. where he says, it's going to take a, 
more than that to kill me. He gets stabbed and then Jason again. stabs him again. And he's like, yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, I mean, but you know what that felt like? Something out of Leprechaun or Critters 4, which I had not seen at the time when I finally saw this movie. I knew those existed, I think, but I had not seen them. Having now seen both of those and reviewed them for this show um, in the archives and Hellraiser 4 at that point, um, I'm going to say probably right up there with the comedy of Leprechaun 4, which is a piece of garbage but is hilarious in its setup in space. Um, because they, you know, the one thing I'll give this movie is that they're not bothering with any of the illustrious backstory. Like, There's a point when the doctor's talking to some research scientist slash fence back in on earth or whatever about what could I get for somebody named Jason Voorhees? And he's like, you mean the mass murderer who like killed a billion people and then disappeared? You know, I'm like, well, they, they, they had to explain what the heck happened. <laughs> you know? So my question to you is, is this supposed to be taking place in a different timeline than part nine? Cause last time we saw Jason was in hell. Yeah, that was Roy. And this is Jason. Okay, so that is Roy. And this, so that must mean that Freddy versus Jason is actually Freddy versus Roy, so, which we will get to in a couple of weeks. But. Well, it has to be because otherwise, how is Jason going to wake up in space? Right. How is he going to wake up in a facility, you know, being tested on uh, to then get to space uh, with the semi Asian girl? here uh, Lexa Doig I you know I feel like I don't know anything about this lady I'm like she's probably like Vietnamese or Polynesian or something like that and they're making her play like I, I don't know what she's supposed to be like she's uh, uh, she's Filipino and Irish okay there there we go well that makes some sense then so uh, but she is playing Ripley-esque like that's her whole thing actually you know who she reminds me of she reminds me of the girl in uh, the lead in uh, Hellraiser 3 the the one who who tells the priest if there's no such thing as demons then what the f is that <laughs> like she's that girl in a lot of ways because she is the harbinger of doom once they wake her up on this this ship because um, none of them believe her right so like you didn't bring him on here did you yeah what's the problem <laughs> yeah well that's a bad idea you know uh, what you make of the nanotechnology though uh, I thought that was some fun like Michael Crichton's worst nightmare yeah I I um. I got a couple of really good laughs about that. Um, it's so cute that they tried to spend money on this movie. <laughs> it, it really is. And, you know, I've seen worse nanotechnology displays on movies, uh, movies that cost more than this. Uh, but at the same time, it's hilariously bad. And it looks, it just made me think of the nanites from uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000, my second <laughs> MST reference in as many podcasts. Um, but that's how they explain away a lot of the uh, – that's how they hand wave away all the science issues on MST3K. They ended up giving them nanites to make everything out of particles or whatever. So, And, it, and it, they actually kind of look like the nanites uh, but not – puppets just cgi yeah it's it's like this weird crawly little thing i mean you get the one like stoner rasta dude with the the you know the uh, dreads hair that gets his arm chopped off because un you know frozen jason falls forward and cuts his arm off which is like a gag out of scooby-doo you know or something well, uh, which is which makes sense because he re uh he reminds me of uh franz kranz from uh <laughs> cabin in the woods uh but 
but he's not. Yeah, he is. He is kind of the same thing. You're right. So, uh, but he feels uh, like the stoner. Yeah, archetype. But the thing is, he gets like basically killed twice by Jason in this movie now, which I think is you know him and Brodsky both get killed. No, well, Brodsky gets three times, I guess, by Jason, well, which is impressive. He gets three times. If, he gets three times if you count the uh, virtual reality murder. Oh, we'll get to the virtual reality murder. Hold that thought. So, um, but I love the Earth here is like the Earth of Alien Resurrection. You know what a what an asshole. You know, I mean, it's terrible. And Jason wakes up on the table though, while the girl, uh, the girl, the the lady scientist that looks, I don't know, kind of like Kate Upton's older sister or something. Um, She's like. Um- but wearing Olivia Newton-John's clothes. Yes, yes, thank you very much. Is is doing tests on him. Like She pulls out his gooey, messed-up eye. So, you know, he wakes up because two people are having sex. And my, my question has always been, so the sex is what wakes Jason up, right? Like, even in space. That's the thing he can't deal with, is the sex, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they play to that later when they load the... Uh the Crystal Lake virtual reality program. Oh, where the two girls are laying there and they're like, well, we love premarital sex, you know? And yeah. He, he does beat another one to death with the, the sleeping bag. Yeah. That's, that's funny. Which, which made me laugh and laugh the first time I saw it. That is the funniest I, I, thing in this movie. I could not stop laughing the first time because he had the, because he was beating the one girl to death with the other girl. <laughs> and then he gave her the, uh, the Friday the 13th, um, signature, Sleeping bag against the tree smash. Yes, yeah, from part seven, which we both liked that kill in particular. So uh, they're calling back to things that work. You know, I think the people making this movie are like, look, we need something that's stupid, that's intentionally funny, and that calls back to the stuff people like about all of this. Because it's the the only reason this movie exists is because the studio is like, we've got to have something else out there to remind people who Jason is. We're not doing another Freddy movie because that's what Freddy versus Jason's going to be. So we, you know, what are we supposed to do? That we've got to do something that's kind of a greatest hits of Jason without really, uh, you know going back to direct Crystal Lake, right? Like, that's what they're creating in this space in the Star Trek Next Generation holodeck thing. Well, and it's also the one of the few movies that it seems like it was written by someone who'd seen the other movies. Yeah. Um, or at least they made him watch them before he wrote this uh, script <laughs> to probably maintain the rights to Jason. Well, I get a feeling that Todd Farmer is a guy that probably did know the series pretty well and and made the wise choice to not go with elaborate, unnecessary backstory. You know, let's not do that again, right? Let's just... As fun as the virtual reality kill is, though, the best kill to me is the lady scientist that gets her face frozen in the uh, dry ice mix thing or whatever and then gets smashed against the the uh, table. I thought that was a really grotesque and neat kill. Um, that's my probably my favorite non-wheelchair kill of the series. <laughs> it is right up there with, with poor wheelchair guy from part two. You're right. Um, and, and that's another reason why I love this movie so much because <laughs> it actually it goes there and gives me something we haven't seen. Like We've seen Jason smush heads, mm-hmm. but we haven't seen him smush a frozen head. No, and, and the thing is, is how does his hand not get frozen in all that liquid nitrogen stuff? Like I guess maybe he had his hand out and was just holding her by the hair. 
Yeah, he had her by the hair and only pushed her face in. Okay. So that's why when he smashes her head, only half of her head is gone. Can I ask uh, another question, though? And I'm applying way too much logic to this, but how did Jason know that that would work? <laughs> I mean, he's I, don't, I thought you were going to... I thought you were going to ask how many times they shot it uh, the, uh, where Kane Hodder puts his hands on that woman's boob. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, he does grope her badly in this. And I'm wondering if he did that just to mess with her, being well, Kane Hodder and being, I'm going to do things that make you uncomfortable. Because she, like, well, reacts to that in a way that I would expect someone to react to that. Like, what are you doing? It's, <laughs> although, let's be fair to Kane Hodder, he probably can't see anything in that mask. This is true. This is true. But I don't. He's they, only got one. He's only got one visible eye, and it's the eye on the other side of his growth <laughs> hand. And look, maybe maybe she told him do whatever. I don't care. You know, like I, again, all these people in this movie seem to know what kind of movie they're in. They they're going for it. You know, so um, they they make it work in some way or another. But it's it's a very unique kill. It's it's fun to watch. Uh, Jason do this because this is where he just he's going to get ready to just you know get a slashing weapon and wade through most of the cast like that's that's what his his uh, whole point is here is to to get set up so that he can face off against uh, KM eventually right and and full credit to this movie they don't overthink uh, they don't overthink a Jason movie mm-hmm. they don't try to give him some kind of backstory they say. Are, they say, hmm, what would happen if Jason got a hold of a space machete? And then they, <laughs> yeah. they, they run with it. Right. He, he, gets, he gets his old weapon back because he kills the, the lead guy. Um, and basically the only people that are left, we, we have the Marines that are doing, there's one of them with Stoner Guy that does like a virtual reality sim where Jason walks in and kills them in VR. And I then, believe that is our screenwriter, Todd Farmer. Oh, I didn't realize that. So they, they do that and then he kills them for real life. You know, so there's there's all that going on. The Space Marines get wiped out by Jason because he's no, you know, they're no match for him either. Because, um, again, we'll go back to our aliens thing here. Primitive versus the tech, modern tech. The primitive always wins, right? Like, we have to continue to play that up. But yeah, when, at least until uh, Alexa Doig gets that uh, space shotgun thing. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about KM-14's... Uh, quote, upgrade uh, to Terminatrix um, <laughs> here. Um, that, uh, when I saw that walk out, and, I mean, the minute this thing was was on the screen, I'm watching this the first time, I'm going, oh, that's an android. Okay, oh, that's a funny joke with the nipple thing. That's kind of weird. Uh, when are they going to put guns on her? You know? Because <laughs> I'm like, I know that's the only reason this character is there, because who else do you think could kill Jason? You know, except her. And they play with us in this whole thing where he stabs her and she, like, fakes it. And then is like, gotcha. And I'm like, did he, like, program her like they do with Data sometimes on Next Generation where they, like, turned on her humor chip or something? Uh, well, she's kind of cracking jokes throughout the whole thing. Uh, I think she's just a, a, a more advanced AI. She must be, man. She's got some wicked fighting skills, though, right? Like, she goes total... Uh, you know, Mortal Kombat uh, finish him on on Jason here. I mean, she well, blows him to bits. Well, let's say where they got it from. She goes full Matrix. Ah, yeah, it very it very, is very Matrix. You mentioned Aeon Flux before too. It kind of felt a little bit like that. So yes. there, there was some of that, and I'm not talking about the bad one that they made with Charlize there. And I'm, I mean, like the cartoon, so or the anime or whatever you want to call it. But yeah, that uh, it's a. 
it's a gory kill. Like they blow Jason apart, literally, um, and conveniently blow him onto the cryo nano table. Which I'm watching that going. Who doesn't see what's coming next? So, and maybe I'm going. Maybe I shouldn't care that that's so set up. That it's so elementary. Is that what I'm? I'm supposed to know that that's okay. That's coming next. That there's no yeah. surprises in this movie. I, well, it's Jason. He's going to come back somehow. They just have to think of a way to bring him back. I mean, and yeah. and they push it to the point where they blow his head to. Uh, they explode some sort of meat pumpkin. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, we've done the blown up Jason thing before, and we're doing it again now. But this time, like the head was intact last time, and it did look like a pumpkin last time. This time, it definitely does. But I love how Jason has this look when he's about to get the rocket in the face of like rot roll. You know, <laughs> like they they cut the Otter doing that, and I'm like, Jason was never one for emoting when he got hacked before, you know, or killed by somebody. Well, I think he knows this is some next level. Uh, head exploding. It must be. I mean, again, how he's even aware of where he is. Like, poor Alexa Doig seems, you know, lost in this new world. I can't imagine what poor Jason feels like. You know? <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, well, to uh, to be fair, any time outside of 1980, it probably seemed weird to Jason. Yeah, really. Because he's some sort of time traveler. <laughs> right, like he has no idea where he is. So they blow him up. They, they wreck through the shuttle disaster thing, so we got to get the clock ticking as if this movie wasn't moving fast enough. I'm like, man, this, they're really trying to get through this sucker quick. And we get Uber Jason. Now, I will tell you, this was the thing I remembered the most from this movie. And when I watched it the first time, I thought, now that was a cool idea. And I feel like somewhere Todd Farmer started maybe with that. Like, at some point, I got to get nanobots to repair Jason, and it turns him into the Terminator. And that's kind of what we get here, right? Yeah, and that's definitely another reason why I enjoy the movie, because it reminds me of uh, the Terminator with all the that pesky uh, human, humanizing yeah, right. It's it's the uh, well, it's the original Terminator. It's just this uh, force with a machete uh, coming at you, and uh, I I like the look of it. I'll say this for as cheesy as this movie is, and it is cheesy. The uh, the direction here and the art uh, direction and the work on the the Jason props and the way he looks it's pretty cool. And 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 full credit to them when they crash the. Um the Grindel into uh, Solaris, another movie reference. Um, <laughs> they crash a model into a model, so it looks cool. Yes, that is, that is a good-looking model crash. Yeah, it was before we totally gave over to CGI and everything. I mean, I think there, this was... I mean, this is obviously years after Jurassic Park and stuff like that, but they they did an actual practical on that, which looks so much better than it would have if they had generated it at that point, I believe. Well, it, it, they definitely age a lot better, which yeah. is a weird thing to say about a 2001 Jason movie who goes <laughs> to space and hacks up Canadians. Right. That may, that may have been a better plot summary than what we gave earlier. But um, no, I love here, though, that this is where we get the best comedy, though, the 80s virtual scene uh, with Jason. That's that's great and, and is very funny. But I love how Brodsky comes back. I'm like, oh, I didn't expect him to be Chekhov's sergeant. You know, that he survived the double stabbing. That's one tough Marine. Well, are, I mean, he's like the well, Black they, Hicks. I think, it, yeah, that's, <laughs> I think that's what they were going for, a Hicks type of thing. Except yeah. now they've got Deus Ex nanobots, and they can just kind of bring anybody back from a 
not immediately fatal wound. Right, right. They do nanobot him back into full health so that he can get in his Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan space <laughs> thing. He does look like what Chekhov and that other Paul Winfield are wearing in that. I mean, you got to admit. And and chase Jason around in the, uh, the zero gravity of space. Yeah, and so we get another fun... Uh, I'm just disappointed he didn't say something like, get away from her, you bitch. <laughs> we, don't, we don't even get one of those good ones. Again, though, this they I, they obviously, this is made by the Freddy Company. They weren't trying to do Freddy-esque stuff here. Uh, so they, they didn't go for that. Jason didn't have lines like that. So, Well, no, but uh, uh, after Creighton Duke, you, uh, why, why stop cribbing lines from better movies for your movie? Why didn't Lexa get a good one? That's what I wanted to know. Like, Rowan should have had a good line for Jason. Like, go get I it, Sarge, the, or something, you know? I think uh, the robot got all the good lines. Yeah, she really does. We do get another face-off between KM and Uber Jason. Uh, it doesn't go so well the second time around, though. <laughs> Where KM literally gets her head punched off like uh, <laughs> the guy from Jason Takes Manhattan. Yes, the boxer. But she survives just like uh, the David thing in uh, the awful Prometheus. Um, so, uh, And not nearly as well played as Michael Fassbender's. Uh, or like Bishop in... Uh, Aliens. Aliens, yeah. Yeah, again, reminding me of things I like better. I like Hero Space Sergeant to the Rescue, though, and the Earth 2 scene. We already talked about it. You think Jason survives this? I thought he burned up in the atmosphere. Um, well, he burned up in the atmosphere, but he's also Jason. Right. So we, How we many could. How many times him blown up, burned, right. mutilated, so uh, we, beyond belief? He can come back. We could believe that somewhere they could have made a sequel on Earth 2 with Jason doing. Earth two murder things, but they never will. Maybe, and never maybe, maybe Earth two is the. <laughs> I can't even finish it. Uh, maybe Earth two is the um, the Freddy Krueger universe. Maybe it's like a, <laughs> a multiverse type of situation where uh, he crosses some sort of space nexus into. But they're, you know, they're still in the year twenty four fifty five, so. I don't know. They don't do a good job of setting us up as to where we are exactly here. Like, but twenty four fifty five is is definitely very much. It's the Jason continuity, so twenty four fifty five is probably like two thousand and ten. Could be. Could I mean, be. this is a world where what was it supposed to be? Nineteen ninety seven is nineteen eighty four. Right. Uh, and and so the movie that came out in the nineties the. Jason Goes to Hell is apparently at some time in the mid to late 2000s or whatever. Which this one just completely ignores. We, I mean, we just have to say that. The, like the la- it's like the last one didn't exist. It's like part eight ended and they caught him in New York and they've just held on to him all this time. Like that's what's happening here. Because there's nothing left at the end of part nine for them to go and do anything with. Yeah. Um, so does that make this one, Roy? Or does that make the weird... Uh, worm tongue monster uh, Roy. I, d- I don't know. <laughs> That's I, w- I guess this you. one. I guess this one would have to be Roy. Like this is Space Roy. This is Space Roy has come back here. So that's oh, I don't I don't know what's happening here anymore, it's, man. Uh, Elroy <laughs> from uh, the <laughs> Sticks album. <laughs> there it is. Well, Mister Roboto. We're at time for final thoughts, recommendations, and popcorn ratings. So, what are yours for Jason X? In case you, in case my love of this 
stupid movie hasn't given it away. I'm going to go extra large popcorn. I have the most fun with this one of pretty much any of the Jason movies because it fully embraces uh, the true stupidity of a movie about a, a mushy faced hockey zombie killing people in space. Uh, I, 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 the dumber uh, this movie could not be any dumber and that's why I I love it unabashedly so I can join you in the sentiment that this is a lot of fun to watch this is way more fun to watch than the last one I mean it's it's a if it's on I'll put it on in the background kind of funny laugh at it type of movie but I I don't know it's I guess it's as dumb as part six and part eight and and as fun as those wanted to be. So I kind of feel like it falls into that area for me, which I'm going to give it a But it's like if it's like if uh, Jason takes Manhattan fully embraced the ridiculousness of putting Jason loose in mid 90s Manhattan. Yeah. You know what? I will say this movie is a better version of Jason takes Manhattan. It's almost the same thing. I said that from the outset, and I'm going to stand by that. I think it is a better version of that same idea. And in that respect, it's a better movie. I'm going to give it a medium popcorn, but not like a bash medium, but like one of the good mediums. Like a good, fun, I can laugh at it medium. But it's not in my top end of the series. I mean, it's ridiculous. I'm going to say now, though, I don't feel like this is any more Jason movie than the last one was. Like, I feel like New Line is over two on their Jason movies. (laughs) Oh, yeah. They have screwed this up twice now and how they ever got around to Freddy versus Jason which we're going to get to in a couple of weeks here now is amazing to me yeah I mean this is definitely not a Jason movie but it's at least a more fun failure than uh, Jason goes to hell right right now we're going to go ahead and it was clearly written by somebody who likes the Jason character yeah, I, I was, it's our last Kane Hodder. We should mention that. And I I don't think it's his best performance, but I think it's up there with, with as good of the one as he gave the first time he was out, which was part seven. I thought he was good in that one. And he seems to be having as much fun in this. So, um, If not more. If not more, yeah, because he's really grown into it at this point. So, I, you know, it's fun. Again, it's fun. It's good junk. I can live with it on that level. And, I mean, you know, how many movies do you get to grow uh, busty uh, Canadian Olivia Newton John and, and get paid for it <laughs> and, and smash your face into a uh, into a sink as you've uh, frozen it with liquid nitrogen. I don't know. And then and then just uh, to me the funniest part of that whole scene isn't the smashed face. It's just the callous way with which Kane Hodder dumps that dummy. Yes, he just, just, shrug, just shrugs it off <laughs> like and that. Just, that 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 yeah. just kind of is the cherry on the the comedy Sunday. That that is uh, how that uh, well it is the comedy of it. This is a comedy. There's no doubt about it. It's straight comedy. If six was trying to do that, this one certainly is. So uh, it's it's in that realm. So we we're going to do something different for us here now. Though we you know we usually do these retrospectives. We go straight through release wise, but we're skipping one. We're skipping Freddy versus Jason because we are going to do. The remakes now of Friday the 13th and A Nightmare on Elm Street, having covered both full series now and their odd different line spinoffs, we, we're going to do the Freddy vs. Not Freddy vs. We're doing the uh, night, uh, 2009 Friday the 13th remake next, and then we'll do the 2010 Nightmare on Elm Street before coming back to Freddy vs. Jason. So I haven't no, seen... No, and I'll go, ahead, I'll go ahead and tell you this. I have not 
seen the remake. Interesting. I haven't seen it in a long time, so I'm curious to revisit it as well. I do remember not liking it at all the first time I saw it and and writing a scathing article for a website I was writing for back at the time about how terrible I thought it was. Um, I'll be curious to see if my feelings on it have changed at all um, as we go back to it here. The fact that you've never seen it, that's going to be fun to, to visit in then. So Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to it. Um, not, you know, as much as I would be if it was a good movie, but <laughs> still, it's going, to be, it's going to be interesting. We're going to see how it works out, that's for sure. So, folks, thanks for joining us in this latest edition of Filmstrip. Of course, you can find all of our past uh, episodes and past series at our website, continuousplaypodcast.com slash movies. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, continuousplaypodcast-filmstrip. Follow us on uh, Twitter. Uh, hook up with us on Facebook as well. Let us know what you think of the show. We appreciate your support. Until next time, from Ron, I'm Jay. Thanks for listening to Filmstrip. Thank you for listening to Filmstrip. You can find more episodes on our website, continuousplaypodcast.com forward slash movies. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes and link up with us on Facebook. The Filmstrip theme music is produced and performed by Frozen Lake 121.